except the name of Jesus and in this name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father what an amazing sense of your presence here this morning you've been so good to us oh God we love you we worship in Jesus mighty name we pray and we all say Amen. God bless you. Thank you guys. Great job. Great job. Awesome, 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 awesome. Good morning, everyone. It's such a privilege and an honor to be with you again. Um, it's been a great weekend for those that were attending the leadership training seminar. I believe we had a, a very need, needful conversation uh, on this very important topic of leadership. Um, and, and, and I pray that we may put into action even if we take one step, I was talking to Brother Finney you know, earlier and said, the first step is the one that always matters. When you put into action the one thing, one thing that you've learned, everything else begins to fall in place. The courage it takes is the courage to take the first step. Just do that and watch what happens. Amen. And now uh, we had a, an amazing time last night. Wow. Um, church was full, packed. Uh, the worship was amazing. I really sense in my spirit that the Lord is doing something with you as a church. And I believe that it is unique. And I'm not just saying this. I think demographically, you guys are situated as a church IPA in a way that is unique to most other places that I travel. And I really feel that your, your calling and your assignment from God is beginning to kick stronger. And um, the baptism this morning I heard, that's what we're looking for. Amen. May the Lord multiply that by a thousand. Yes, you're going to multiply. Hallelujah. This morning, the Lord laid upon my heart to speak on very simple terms. I have 30 minutes and I want to make the most of them. Um, I just want to say for you that pray for your children and your grandchildren, thank you for praying. For, for the amateurs and opportunities, thank you for praying for your grandbabies. Amen. Your prayers matter. They really do. Greatest gift a child can ever have is to have grandparents that pray for them. Greatest gift. More than what you can give them financially, more than what you can give them uh, in any other way, your prayer for them matters. Amen. See, I mean that I pray for even this morning. He says, oh, I think my, my grandmother is going to be at the church this morning when I told him I was preaching here at IPA. And all I felt was thankfulness in my heart that you pray for your grandbabies because the evidence is beginning to show God is using them and God is touching them. I want us to go, please, if we can, to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. I want to cover two very basic themes this morning and then I'll be done. I'll sit down. The first one is a very familiar, very familiar one. And uh, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in the book of Matthew chapter 24, for those of you that are scholars in the Bible, and I'm sure we've done this in the Bible study, this is when Jesus Christ was talking about the signs of the times. And this is when the Lord was predicting the destruction of the temple. This is when the Lord was talking about the signs of the end of the age. And sometimes what is misunderstood by that term, the end of the age, is people liken that to the end of the world, per se. But the end of the age is the end of an epoch. It's the end of a season. Amen. The end of the age was when Malachi wrote 
the last verse of Malachi chapter 4. You know, that was the end of an age. Because the next time the pages were going to open was going to be the New Testament period. Amen. And so the end of an age is an end of an epoch when, when the Lord is doing a specific work through a specific people in a specific way. So in this particular instance, Jesus is, the people were asking, you know, Lord, after we, you told us about the destruction of the temple, you told us about all this, is this the time which shall be, you know, the combination of all things where pretty much, where, where everything comes to an end and then the, the Lord says, no, these are the signs of the end of an age, the, meaning the age of, uh, that, that was pre pre predominating at that time, bringing in another age. What age was Christ, uh, you know, predicting? He was predicting the coming in of the age of the dominance of the kingdom of God. It began just a few years earlier. In fact, this was uh, three years before this when he began his ministry. He began his ministry by saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That term at hand means it's near. He says, turn because God's kingdom is near. Amen. He took that message from what? From the prophet um, John the Baptist, whose own message, John the Baptist did not preach about much. He didn't even preach about baptism. What he preached about was what? Repent for what? For the kingdom of God is at hand. He was, he was prophesying the coming of an age where the kingdom of God or the dominion of God will dominate world affairs. We are living in the reality of that epoch, in the reality of that season. It was first announced in the New Testament by John the Baptist it was announced by Jesus. Now here's what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Because a lot of people, you see, when I came to the church, we were all looking forward to going to heaven. I got saved in a little Baptist church, and as soon as I got saved, they told me, oh, now you're going to be going to heaven. That appeared to be the entire agenda was to go to heaven. So what that meant was all we were doing was waiting. Amazing thing about Christians is, Nobody wants to die, but everybody wants to go to heaven. But all we were doing was waiting. I wasn't necessarily challenged to be established here on earth. I wasn't necessarily established to spread a sphere of influence on the earth. I was not necessarily, you know, encouraged to. No, it was all, now that you say we're going to heaven, let's take as many other people to heaven. But that's not what Christ was speaking about. He was talking about the dominion of the kingdom, not in heaven, but the dominion of God's kingdom on earth. That's why he said, I'm going, but you get to stay. <laughs> why? Because he wanted us to literally extend the bounds of the kingdom of God right here on earth. The greatest thing that devil has done is to convince the church that if you can just wait long enough and get to the other side, then everything will be good. That you don't have to be effective while you're here. You don't have to have dominion while you're here. You, because this is, world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And heaven is not my home, oh Lord, what will I do? So everybody's just waiting to get to the other side and are not exercising dominion on the earth. It was Jesus who left to go to heaven, but he left his disciples here. So the greatest lie that the enemy has done was, let the church have no territory. Let the church have no dominion. But you know what? If you just wait long enough, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be. 
So he has minimized the influence of the church to small little clusters of groups that have no authority, that have no dominion, that are just sitting and waiting for this culmination of something so that they can go to the place where they really want to be. Except here's the thing. When Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, Matthew chapter 6, Luke chapter 11, here's what he says. When you pray, pray what? Our Father who art in heaven. So who is in heaven? Not us. He is. Hallowed be thy name. This is where we are. Thy kingdom come on as it is in that's the whole plan that the Lord had through Christ, the salvation of mankind. Right now, the Bible says all of creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God, not in heaven, here on earth. But what the enemy has done, because he's the father of lies, he has lied to us that we can be as ineffective here, we can be inefficient here, we can just mosey on up and just wait until the glorious day when we get to the other side. But that's not what Christ was calling us to do. He would have raptured the disciples the same day he ascended. He would have taken them with him if the highest ambition was to have them in heaven. But he says, I go to prepare a place for you, but you get to remain. He says, you are in this world, you are not of this world, but you're in this world. You have to be here. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about what the mystery of the kingdom of God Meaning the mystery of the dominion of God on the earth. <sighs> you look at world politics right now. You see what is happening in India. You know, you, you know with, the, with the fight between um, um, Gandhi and, and, and Modi. And, and I don't know what the outcome is going to be. But all I know is this, Christians. We, we, we cannot just sometimes sit on the sidelines and let world affairs. You know what happened when Modi came in. You know, Christians held back and whatever. We lost so much territory. We lost so much territory. They shut down open meetings. They shut down the exchange that we had. Of, I had people that had wonderful, wonderful orphanages that were there. That all of a sudden, the, the, you know, the BJP government says, no, you cannot do that anymore. And these kids had to be sent somewhere. This is what happens when we don't take authority on the earth. You lose dominion, but you know what the devil will do? He'll control the church. It's okay, though. It's okay. You've lost all this ground. But when you get to heaven, oh, what a day of rejoicing it will be. Now, I'm asking and I'm challenging you right now to step into dominion right here on earth while you are alive. Some of us have been given length of days. The Lord has blessed you with many years because he is using you as an instrument to establish his kingdom. Not in heaven. If he wanted you in heaven right away, you would be there. But you are exactly where the Lord desires you. White hair, but you're still here because your job is not yet done. Because the Lord wants to establish dominion on the earth. Dominion on the earth. Dominion on the earth. Here's one thing that came up in scriptures. I was just looking and getting prepared. I think it's um, in Luke chapter 17 and verse 1. If you can pull that out, please. How does the kingdom of God extend itself? Why was this church planted? Because this is, a, this is literally a command center. For kingdom dominion. So that we come out here and we are taught how to walk in dominion. Right here in Hicksville, in New Hyde Park, you know, on, on, on this little island, we will figure out how to extend the bounds of God's dominion. So in Luke chapter 17 and verse, so when you see standing in the holy place, so, uh, Luke 17 and 1, sir. Luke 17 and 1. Yes. That is not the one I'm looking for, sir. It's a nice one, though. That is awesome. I'm looking for the kingdom of God is in our hearts. If you can find it. 
Can you read it out loud, please? Yeah. Yes. Yes. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Where does the kingdom reside? Come and talk to me. Where does the kingdom reside? So what is the greatest territory we are commanded to take? The kingdom of the hearts of men. But you see, when you get to heaven, the heart is no longer a factor. It's no longer a factor because you are there in spirit. All that other stuff you leave behind. So when the Bible is talking about the kingdom of God being established in the hearts, it means you and I exist for the taking of some one kind of territory. One at a time. We're taking the territory of the heart. That precious soul that came from another religion that got baptized today, that is territory captured by the kingdom of God. But attached to them are many other territories that have not yet been captured. So what do we do? We raise them up, we teach them, and we say, go and expand the bounds of the kingdom. Let's bring more in. So whatever we do as a church, Pastor Fini, must extend our ability to extend the domain of the kingdom of God one heart at a time, one family at a time. One child at a time, one man at a time, one woman at a time, one neighborhood at a time, extending the bounds of the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus Christ said this, he called it the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel? It's good news. It means what? People that have existed under the dominion of this world system, that have been raped by it, abused by it, molested by it. You know, all the people that have suffered now have an, an option to enter into another kingdom. A kingdom that what? That gets average individuals and makes them extraordinary. That gets natural people and makes them supernatural. That gets common people and makes them uncommon. That gets throwaways and makes them holy. It's a different kingdom entirely. But that kingdom is taken one heart at a time. So the question I have is this. The most diligent work you and I can do is the extension of the bounds of the kingdom of God. The extension of the bounds of the kingdom of God takes place one heart at a time. Are we about our father's business? When was the last time you captured territory for the kingdom? I'm not talking about a piece of ground. I'm talking about the most sacred piece of ground on earth. The hearts of men. For us to be in this neighborhood and all we ever do is to enjoy church services, it means nothing. Why? Because we are standing amongst ground that is already taken. We're just celebrating ground that is already taken. But the same way the ground of your heart was taken by and put under the dominion of Christ, there are thousands, if not millions, out there that the Lord is saying, look, we have got to extend the bounds of the kingdom. You know what's interesting is that when Joshua was taking over the land of promise, watch, let me show you what happens. I'll give India as an example. If we don't have an aggressive outreach, even amongst the Hindus way back in India, that's when you have authorities that rise up and they begin to fight the church and try and close the church. What happened to Joshua was this. When Joshua was taking the land of promise, he stopped short of completing his assignment. How did he stand short of completing his assignment? You know, he left some of the inhabitants of Gath and of Eshkelon. And one other territory that he just didn't conquer them. He just got tired. Ah, you know what? We've got enough ground. And they sat on the gr ground of Gath. They did not take over Gath during the time of Joshua. Because you know what? We don't need, that's just Gath. We need Gath, Gath and Eshkelon. We've already got all this other territory. And they sat on that territory. But the problem happened in the time of Saul, the first king of Israel is that the territory they had failed to conquer in Gath 
raised a champion that had now the nation of Israel. One guy literally intimidated the whole nation of Israel. And he came from the territory that Joshua did not conquer. Let me tell you this. When we fail to preach the gospel and to extend even in some of these areas, some of these individuals end up in government. Some of them will end up, you know, in, 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 the, in the council. That begins to put all kinds of things against the church where we need zoning. Why are you putting church, or, you know, in, in, in the fellowship hall? And now, you, you know, you're, in, you're, you're going against some infraction. And you wonder why. Now, how do we safeguard against that? The more hearts we take, the more we safeguard our own future. Because whatever area we do not take, trust me, a champion will rise from that area to come up against us. Goliath never should have been born if Joshua had completed his assignment. But Goliath of Gath came from the territory that Joshua had neglected to take. So what am I talking about? We have got to extend the kingdom of God. It's the most beautiful extension of the kingdom. Why? We're going after hearts, man. We're going after the hearts of men. That's why we cannot afford to be just about us and our little group and our little tribe. No, 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 no. It's not all your own tribe that affects you. It's everybody in this neighborhood that affects you. So what do we do? We're going after the hearts of men. Why? Because that is the only dirt, that is the only real estate where you can plant the flag of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Why are we extending our territory from here so we can house more people? You guys are really maxed up in this building. What if, what if today, for some strange reason, unknown reason, another 60 people decided to come to church today? Where were we going to put them? Imagine if just today, for some, because we're praying so much, right? We, you know, Lord, what if the Lord had actually answered our prayer this week? And we came to church and another 150 people were coming and they needed a place to go. Where would we put them? Why are we extending where we are right now and expanding our territory in anticipation of what? We're getting more real estate. We're about to go after more real estate. I'm talking about dirt here in New York. I'm talking about the dirt of the human heart. That's the only reason why we're extending our bounds and we're saying, you know what, we've maxed out this place. We've got to go to another place so that it gives us a greater capability to reach this neighborhood. We need to reach it from all the way your neighborhoods come in. For some of you, your kids go to certain schools. If those kids at those schools don't get saved, then we find ourselves in youth group praying. For what? For something we could have preempted. Lord, please, we know there's such bad influence over our kids. Please protect them. No, let's get their friends saved. That's the easiest way to protect them. That's what happened to me. When I got saved in that little Baptist church, do you know the first thing they taught me? Go and get your friends. So I went to my friend Andrew, my friend Wanda, my friend Billy. Say, hey, guys, um, Sunday, yeah. Uh, are we going to go swimming? We used to be, my goodness, man, we lived for swimming. I've swam in all kinds of water, filled with algae, with all, and I don't care. Well, I was a kid in Africa who loved swimming. So I said, are we going swimming on Sunday? No, we're not. We are, we will, after church. Oh, well, I, don't go, I don't like to go to church. If you want to play with me, man, we're in church. And then we can go swim after one by one, they began to come in. Andrew got saved. Billy got saved. All my little buddies got saved. Literally brought the entire group in. Your kids can do the same. But what's happening is this, is that when we don't, when we're not missional and evangelistic, then we have to preempt because your friends are playing with kids that have know nothing about the Lord. Yeah, so in the country church and they're good Malayali kids in church, but when they're in college and when they're in school, some of the people in their circle have no, don't know God from the men on the moon. So what do we do? We go after the territory of the human heart and plant the flag of the kingdom of God on every heart that we can. That's the only mission that has kept us alive all this time because the Lord still has much territory to gain. Are we okay? So what do we want our church to be? We want our church to be a place where kingdom territory can be gained 
all kinds of people, whoever is in our neighborhood, we want them to feel at home here. We will teach them the ways of God. We will dunk them in the waters of baptism. We will lay hands on them and say, speak, you know, be filled with the Holy Spirit and pray in other tongues. Because now where they go, they begin to take territory in their workplace. They're taking territory in their schools. They're taking territory, you know, on their businesses and their jobs. They're taking territory and the kingdom of God is getting expanded because this gospel of the kingdom must be preached on in, in, on, in, to every man, then the end shall come. So instead of waiting there, so come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Here's what we're asking for. Extend the bounds of your kingdom. Use my life to do that. Are we okay? What is one of the ways that we can do extend the bounds of the kingdom is we do it through prayer. Because Yonggi Cho says you cannot take ground on earth that you have not taken in heaven. So he says you pray to our, because you cannot plunder a strong man's goods until the strong man is bound. So we get into prayer, and in prayer we arrest the demonic principalities and powers that are operating in this re region. We arrest them in prayer. But once they are arrested, we have got to go in and take ground. Are we okay? And the question becomes how, man, listen. I, 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 something I was saying to the leadership team just yesterday. If I was to beg you, kneel and everything. I'll kneel if I have to and ask each of you that are here is it possible in the next 12 months for everyone who is here to get one more person into the kingdom in the next 12 months and bring them to the house of God? Is it possible? Yes or no? Well, can I ask you to do that? I didn't say five people. I said one. I didn't say one per family. I said one each. Can you look at me and honestly say, Felix, I don't think I can do it. It's just impossible. Or is it possible that each one of us can bring another person into the kingdom? What happens when we do that? We've instantly doubled within a matter of 12 months. But what we do in church is that sometimes we sit back and let others do the work of the extension of the kingdom. And we think we've blessed the kingdom simply because we showed up. Well, I came to church, didn't I? Okay. Thank you. But who did you bring with you? Once you know that Christ died because of the gospel of this amazing kingdom, that the aggression of heaven is aimed at one thing, the taking of territory. The metaphor of Israel, Israel was a sign of what the Lord wanted the New Testament church to do. He said to Joshua, son, there is a land of promise. The land God cares about is this land. This land. He said to Joshua, you must go and take land, one town after the next, one city after the next. For you and I, it is the land that is the territory of the human heart. The only place where the kingdom of God actually dwells is in the hearts of men. The same call is there. Look at this. Jesus, while he lived, never traveled in ministry more than 65 miles from the place of his birth. He went to Egypt when he was a baby, came back, but from the time he began his ministry, he never traveled more than 65 to 70 miles away from the place of his birth. But look at what he was asking his disciples to do. He was saying, you that are mine, I'm telling you now, go into what? All the world. And preach the gospel to whom? To every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Now watch what he says. He says, all authority is given me. What is authority? It's dominion. So what does it say? All dominion is given to me. Who am I? I am your king. Now because I have all dominion, I'm asking you to do one thing. Go! Into some? No. Into most? 
No, into what? Into all. And what? Extend the bounds of my domain. Preach the gospel to every creature. I, 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 I have not ministered long enough to make my way into Europe. But Paul, can you take this gospel there? Yes, Lord, I will. And he goes and runs into Rome. He goes and runs into areas of Asia Minor. Son, I have never really traveled in any boat. I've never, all I've ever done is walk. Jesus didn't even ride a donkey except on Palm Sunday. Otherwise, he walked everywhere. But now he's asking his disciples to take jumbo jets to fly to the uttermost parts of the world. And all he asked us in return is now that authority is mine. Extend the boundary of my domain. One heart at a time. One soul at a time. One human being at a time. But Lord, I don't like those type of people. They don't eat like I eat. They don't dress like I dress. They don't have this. I don't care. You have one job. I, you got saved for one job. Extend the kingdom of God. We're going after hearts. And we refuse to be talked out of it. What the enemy will say to you is, let me tell you this. The devil does not mind you having good church. Oh, as long as you keep it in those four walls. He doesn't mind you having revivals, revival meetings, special speakers, seminars, weekends. He doesn't mind that at all. You can do, oh, go ahead, go ahead. But when you leave those double doors, keep it there. Keep all that activity in that room. But what we're asking you right now is some of you have got friends. You are their only connection. And co-workers, and, you know, and your co-workers as relatives, and you are their only bridge into the kingdom of God. There's nobody else but you. In eight minutes, I'll be done. My absolute exhortation is this. I'm making it as a request, semi-demand, Pastor Finney, that in the next 12 months, each one bring one. Each one bring one. Even if that is the only soul you'll ever take before God when we go to the other side, it will be the greatest thing that you'll ever go with to stand before him. Each one bring one. In 12 months. Now, now here's what Barna says. I think Barna says it takes 80 Christians to win one soul in 12 months. For every 80 Christians, they get one soul every 12 months. We need to change that statistic. Everywhere that I went, the places where I ate food while I was here, they saw, this is a, this is, this is a, a mission field greater than some mission fields outside this country that I've been to. Hicksville is a mission field, friends. I saw it. I drove around and I looked. And I said, Father, I could be anywhere in the world. Extremely diverse. Extreme diversity of religion and, and, and belief. And we are planted right in the middle of it all. As what? As those that shall extend this gospel of the kingdom. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness to all of humanity, then the end shall come. So irrespective of our age, the little ones, we don't just teach them the Bible verses. We teach them to reach their friends. Amen. The middle schoolers, we don't just teach them to come to church. We tell them, you know, encourage your friends to come out. Those kids that are coming to Awana are connected to other kids that are out there. We want to find a way to bring them into a pipeline where they can be established in the house of God, where they can be established in the work of the Lord. I thank God for what you're already doing. But I, was, I felt very led by the Lord to exhort you in this one thing. The next 12 months, one request. One request. 
in each one of us. Whether it is the person at your local 7-Eleven that, 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 you know, that will help you with your drink that you, your juice that you buy today, and you just say, listen, if you don't have a home church to go to, you know, why don't you come to our church on Sunday? Or why don't you come to our home group when you get them started? I, 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 the Lord really worked a, a powerful thing in my life is that I was praying, now watch this, I was praying for a worship leader for a long time. Because I, when I was pastoring, I had to also lead worship. And I said, Lord, I need a worship leader. Lord, I, I thought somebody would rise up to the, from the church to be a worship leader. But something happened one Sunday morning. A young, young white guy, a young white couple walked into church. And, uh, and this young man was holding his wife's hand. And I couldn't understand why because he was holding her hand and walking behind her. And as soon as he walked in, I didn't know who he was. But the Lord just whispered in my spirit, your worship leader has just come in. I'm like, okay. Wow. So I waited until service was over. And I went to greet him. I said, how are you, man? And he, uh, he didn't lift his hand, though. So I went like this, and his wife said, he's blind. He can't see. So I said, hey, man. So I shook his hand. What's your name? He said, my name is Jonathan. I said, what's up, Jonathan? You know, um, do you play any music? He says, I play the guitar. I said, tell me your story. How did you come to church? Then Lisa, who was one of the ladies on my worship team, said, Pastor, the story was like this. I was running late to come to service and I didn't have enough gas because I just didn't take care of it the day before. So I ran out of gas on the highway. And Rebecca, the, that guy's wife, they were right behind her. So as soon as she pulled to the side of the road, they pulled right behind her. And Rebecca said, can we help you? She says, I ran out of gas. I says, don't worry. They took a can and went and got some gas for her. And when they came back, so Lisa said, I didn't have any money to give to them to say thank you. So I just told them, hey, listen, if you guys are looking for a church, you know, and I gave him, it says, as soon as I handed the address to the church to Rebecca, she, she started crying. And then Jonathan started crying. I said, what's wrong? Is everything okay? They said, we got saved a few weeks ago, and we have not known where to go to church. This morning, we just cried out to God, that Lord, please lead us to the place where you want us to go. And now we were just driving on a Sunday because we have nowhere to go. And we see a car parked on the side of the road like they have a crisis. And the woman in there, all she did to bring one of the greatest blessings our church ever had was she invited one person. Jonathan was so amazing, so amazingly anointed. I'm going to be sitting down in four minutes that I used to now take him outside of the church. If I was invited to preach to some of places that were local, I would ask them, can I bring my worship leader? They said, sure. I said, all he needs is a plug and then he's got his own guitar. Jonathan would get up there and lead worship before I preached. The glory of the Lord would hit that place. One of the greatest blessings that came to our church didn't come because of my preaching. It became because somebody who got stuck on the side of the road and had no money to bless the people that had helped her. All she did was invite them to come to church. Now listen, how many of you get blessed anytime you come here? How many of you felt the presence of the Lord this morning as we're worshiping? Do you know how many people are hungry and thirsty for that very thing? That are looking for it everywhere. What was simply done by God showing up as we worship, it could change many people's lives because this is what they, there's someone right here in this neighborhood that's been looking for that for the past five years. They have not known where to find it. And you may not be the best preacher, you don't have to be. You may not be the best Bible scholar, you don't have to be. But the one thing you can do is to, you can invite somebody. Because by your invitation, they might just come in here and who knows if their life gets changed. And when their life is changed, we've just planted another flag on new territory. The bounds of the kingdom of God has just been extended. I have an honest request. Now, before I sit down, 
that if you can truly say, Felix, if the Lord will so empower me, I, I want to do this in the next 12 months. For some of you, hear me, you're going to bring more than one. I'm giving one as a minimum. Hey, don't say, oh, I brought one. You know, I'm good. If there's five that want to come in, bring the five. But if you can be honest with that, because, you know, we can talk about th things that can make us feel happy, and we can be all good, and we can, oh, that was amazing, and you can live here and not affect anyone out there. I'm asking for a simple request before I sit down this morning. If you can say, Felix, if the Lord will so equip me and empower me, I want to take on this assignment for this year. I want to bring another person that will sit next to me in church, and they'll be there because I invited them and because I've led them to Christ. If you can be honest enough to me, say, that's me. I want you to lift up your hands, because as you lift up your hands, I want to pray for you. Lift those hands up high, please. Lift those hands up high. You know, in my language, we have a little saying that in English, it, goes like, it almost sounds like this. The life you save may be yours. That means that the person you help now, you never know. In the future, they might be the one that will talk to your great-grandchild who is running away from the Lord and will get them back into the kingdom of God. The life you save, lift those hands up high, please. If you heard what I was saying, not from me, if you heard me, don't, you don't have to. But if you know that the Lord was speaking to you about this, lift those hands up high, I want to pray. Because there's an anointing and an action to enable you to do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your people. I thank you for every hand that is raised. There's a heart that is attached to it. Father, may you help your people to be the greatest harvesters our generation has yet seen. Give them the grace to reach one soul, Father. And then give them the grace to reach two and to reach three. But in the next 12 months, Father, I'm asking, here's what the Lord says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest may send out. So, Father, Lord of the harvest, I'm asking that these amazing laborers, Father, anoint them, equip them, give them favor with friends, with co-workers, Father, with siblings, Father, with brothers and sisters and cousins. Give them grace with people that they come in contact with. Let each one bring one in the next 12 months because our job is to see the extension of your kingdom. And we say, we say, here we are. Use us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say.